Okay, I want to welcome you once again to A Voice in the Distance Ministries as we're venturing through the Bible and right now through the Gospel of Luke as we're going to be in the part two series of Luke chapter 9, Follow Closely, is the title. And so in the beginning verses of chapter 9, in the first verse uh, to verse 36, you know, there was a lot of ground covered, as there's always been, in the diversity and in the works and the, the miracles of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and also the choosing of the 12 disciples. And not only just the 12, there was also many others that were chosen that Luke recorded in his gospel. Actually, an, an amount of 70 that were chosen, unnamed people, that were used in the, in the Lord's work during this time. And so again, the many amazing things we'd seen, you know, the feeding of the 5,000, and not just 5,000 men, but also 5,000, you know, with 5,000 men with their wives and children, five, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. And we've seen miracles of him raising the dead and healing the sick. And then we had witnessed also his transfiguration on the mount. And and so what an amazing thing, again, to, to see these many things that Luke got to witness. But I also want to look at, too, not just the miracle aspects, but just some of the simple aspects of the things that seem to be missing in people nowadays. And, and it's, it, it's a simple thing, such as missing and losing heart in what we're doing and why we're doing it. You know, our Lord was the ultimate multitasker. And and but I got to tell you, we took we we take a look at things that the world devalues, which we could also look at them as as such as unnecessary interruptions. But you know, our Lord doesn't see unnecessary interruptions because we were the necessity, and He reminds us always to trust in Him, and that's the beauty of our Lord. His timing always perfect. And, and we can always rest, and we can always live in his perfect compassion. But the thing was, is what he was showing us was to show that compassion to others. Passing that compassion on to others. As we've received him and his Holy Spirit into our lives and into our hearts, we are to reflect him as a form of reflection from our spirits and our uh, our actions, our thoughts. And so... When we look at these things, we think to ourselves, can we ever get there? Well, only by his help, only by his doing can we get there. We cannot do that on our own. Okay, and and that's what we need to realize. And so may we seek him in that, and may we learn from those things that we're observing through his word. Because again, when we look at the Gospels, we're we're really looking at, at like the diary of our Lord here. The things that he did, and, and even through the Gospels, they, didn't, they couldn't record everything that he did. So as we continue, we're going to be observing verses 37 today from uh, chapter 9, as this is going to be the part 2 message series, because we went from verses 1 to 36. We're going to be starting from 37 to the end, which will be uh, at verse 62. If you have a Bible with you, I want, you to, I want to invite you to go ahead and follow along, and if not... Again, this is why we do what we do, is because you might be doing something without a Bible. I read the verses to you. So we're going to take a look now at verses 37 to 42, and we're going to be looking at Jesus healing a young boy. Another one yet to see uh, of a healing aspect. And it says, Now it happened on the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, that a great multitude met him. And suddenly a man from the multitude cried out, saying, Teacher, I implore you, 
Look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth, and it departs from him, which great difficulty bruising him. So I employed your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And as he was still coming, the demon threw him down and convulsed him. Then Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child, and gave him back to his father. You know, when we look at the previous verse, the disciples were on the mountain where they had witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus. And they also had seen the, re- the arrival of Moses and Elijah the prophet, who were uh, two of the most influential uh, prophets and leaders within the Old Testament and within the Jewish community. And, and they came back down. They came back down to their regular activities. But in this case, a young boy who was demon-possessed and put into convulsions... Uh, The disciples in the beginning of Luke were able to cast out demons without a problem, but for some reason they couldn't cast out this one. And from the response of our Lord, in the words, faithless and perverse generation, it would look like it was an issue of faith, or better yet, a lack of. And second, there are demons that possess more power by rank than others. So Jesus himself told the story of how a demon will find another more powerful and more wicked than itself in order to take over someone with, with other groups at times. And it's not something to take lightly. When we look at, we could look in the book of Acts, and there was a demon-possessed man who was approached by seven brothers. And they walked in there into this house and arrogantly thinking that they could cast it out as they mentioned the name of Jesus. And they also mentioned the name of the Apostle Paul. And so these seven brothers tried to cast out the, uh, the, the demon in the name of Jesus and within the, the name of, the, of Paul the Apostle. And the, and the demon-possessed man looked at them and said, Jesus I know and Paul the Apostle, I know who he is, but who are you? And then after that, he attacked the seven brothers, and and they all ran out of the house bloody and naked because he tore their clothes off, and and he he beat them uh, uh, pretty badly. So there was obviously a sense of arrogance over that of faith. See, but Jesus knew what we don't. He had the real reasons for the comments that he made. You know, one of the secrets of greatness that the Lord was teaching them that spread to us was humility. And the greatness that is lacking in many is lacking of humbleness. And then second, a key to victory in all things is that of prayer. Prayer in Christ's name is which the power lies in us. Now, in the valuable lessons of gifts and abilities, prayer is like a form of exercise. If it's not done regularly, then how effective will we be? You know, our hearts are the center of who we are. But if we have prideful hearts, it will expose from the exterior. Yeah, perhaps the disciples were dealing with that, I don't know, but the Lord is always the fulfiller of all things missing. The fulfiller of all gaps. And let's continue here in verse 43 as we continue to see what the Lord does. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand this, saying that it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. 
Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him, and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. With everything done and seen, you know, they were amazed at the revealing of Christ and his deity up on the mount, okay? And the revealing of his image on the mount. But with the amazement of his glory, it was unclear to them of what he was going to go through within the three years of his ministry. Uh, The betrayal of one of their own, Judas Iscariot. Uh, The crowds that requested his crucifixion, that was not revealed to them either. Now, many were unaware of his final mission. As the healing and the teaching and the exhorting and other wonderful miracles were happening, there was an unawareness to the saving of the world's sins by the bloodshed and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. But within all of that, the unawareness of his sacrifice uh, came the dispute of which of them would be the greatest. And, and how neat of the Lord, you know, to take a child into his arms and use him as a model of the greatest in the kingdom. You know, the, the innocence of a child versus the corrupt adult who knows right from wrong is a good illustration of how all should be. Now, if you could remember as far back as you could when you were little, we look at children in our childhood. Children interacted together. They interacted uh, together without prejudice, uh, hate, or self-serving motives. It wasn't until they got older is when that, is when that happened, right? Now, never in a worldly outlook are you taught to be the least, which is at times misinterpreted or even mistaught. It was a requirement of humbleness and putting others over ourselves. You know, we've all heard the saying that nice guys finish last. Again, very common in the world's outlook. But yet, no one was nicer than our Lord Jesus. See, he didn't finish, he finished well. He didn't finish last, he finished well. And I remember the days as a child. Never, never thought about hurting someone to get ahead. There was no me, myself, and I in my thoughts. There was just simply a joy to be around other people or children of innocent demeanors who was more than happy to be with one another. And as a loving father in our Lord Jesus, seeing all together in the demeanor of a child is pleasing to him. But unfortunately, it wasn't until we grew older that we went downhill in our outlook, especially on that of other people. Now, as we will see that even in the disciples, okay, the disciples had more to learn as we're going to uh, continue to observe everything that was going on in verse 49. But if you could actually remember those days, and we're seeing so many things in this world nowadays, we're in 2017 towards the end, moving into 2018, and each year the bar is raised with more and more hate. The bar is raised with more and more sin. And the bar is raised with more and more demonic activity of people. And I think of what the Lord did here. And I think about the fact that he took a child as an example. And as we look back, as I look back at that childhood when there was a sense of innocence, 
I, I pray that at whatever age we are, that we may go back to that time. That we could go back to that time of, of just enjoying one another through the glory of Christ. What a, what a different place we would be in, right? Unfortunately, we live where we do, and we see what we do. But Christ calls us to make a difference, to be a difference, to be that salt and that light. Now, as we continue to look on, we're going to see some more interesting things <laughs> in verse 49 through 56. Now, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbid him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, Do not forbid him, for he who is not against us is on our side. And now it came to pass, when the time had come for him to, to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to, work, to go to Jerusalem, and sent messengers before his face, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set out for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know of what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. Now it looks as if John was uh, uh, had that of a little bit of a territorial uh, demeanor in his younger days. Uh, possibly jealous that someone else was casting out demons uh, where they were not able to with that other demon. We have to remember that the disciples were still mere men with a sinful demeanor. But they realized later what the Lord said. That, that the harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. And when Jesus came to them as fishermen, he said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And it was a statement that was a universal one, not just to, uh, uh, to stop with the, cho the chosen twelve. It was a universal statement, as they later realized. Jesus was right in making known that it was good, as he was there to bring people to him. And we can see that John the Beloved, right? John the Beloved was a work in progress with his temper and the rejection of the Samaritans. Uh, they were located right in the middle of Israel. And these people, they were, they were bitter enemies of the Jewish people. But you see, as Luke writes, he makes known the facial expression of the Lord as he set his face to Jerusalem. And what that was, was a translation that it was a determined look, because he himself knew the exact day and the time of his crucifixion. The Lord was working diligently, as he had a heart for the people of all areas. The Jews would purposely walk around Samaria to avoid it, because it was right smack in the middle of Israel. They would actually go completely on the opposite direction, just to avoid going through the middle of it. And what they were was the, the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They were half-Jews, and um, they were half-Babylonian uh, um, and, and um, Assyrians, okay, from, from an invasion that happened. And, and so they basically inhabited the middle of Israel. And, and their hatred for the Jews became equally in the same. And it's easy for us to think like the disciples when we're rejected. Now, what Jesus said was, he said to shake the dust off your sandals and to move on. 
Okay, not not to request a rain of fire on the town, but we are to bring others into a relationship with Christ. Okay, we may not have the same gifts, but bringing others to Him is a common purpose. Not all are called to preach, but all are called to be a light and to be a light to the places and people around us in our lives. So again, as I say, we may, may we continue to seek the ways of Christ, as we may not be a traveling missionary, but the same work is done right in your own neighborhood with the same calling. It, it, the work is the same. may not be the, a, a geographical thing, but yet the work is the same purpose. My, my parents are considered missionaries to truck drivers, in Ontario, California, and one of the uh, it's one of the largest, but it's most definitely the busiest truck stop in the nation. And that's an interesting thing is what my dad would always say was is that we get to be missionaries in our own backyard. And I got to tell you, it is a blessed ministry. I've been there numerous times, and I've uh, taught there, and I've gone over there and prayed for people and with people. And and yes, it is an absolute wonderful missionary's journey to be there. But again, missionaries are not just called to go long distance. You could be called as a missionary right in your own backyard in some way, shape, or form as we're called to lead people to the Lord. And that was the actual work of of a missionary. You know, a lot of people uh, have different uh, forms of missions where they build houses for uh, for the poor. They go and have medical missions. They have um, orphanage missions and so on and so forth, which are wonderful uh, wonderful works and stuff that are absolutely needed. But again, the main purpose of the missionaries was done through that of Christ and his disciples as they were traveling outside of their zip codes to make the Lord known, which is the main purpose of what the missionary work was to be done. And so as we continue, we're going to take a look here in verses 57 to 62. In the cost of discipleship, it says, Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, the Lord was honest in in the outlook of ministry. And, And as a disciple, there was a dedication When someone signs up for the military, they don't get to say, well, I'm done and walk away. It doesn't work that way. See, Jesus took it more seriously than that, even even those that he spoke of in regards to wanting to follow him. They they were doing so out of consideration after some things were to happen. Okay, burying my father, uh, the man said to him, wasn't indicating that he had died, but it looked as if I will follow once he is dead, is what he was saying. Uh, the Lord the Lord would never indicate the abandoning of family. All he did was shed light on their motives. Uh, Jesus said foxes have holes, 
uh, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. And his, he, as he made known some of the costs of discipleship, that cost was that it wasn't glamorous. But the end results are once we're in his presence. It doesn't get any more glamorous than that. But many times, the work of a farmer, or even a ground worker, is used in the parables of Jesus. Because there is planting and tending that requires growth. But the plower, see, the plower must keep a straight and narrow path for the crops. And that is what Jesus said about the path to heaven. The path to heaven is like straight and narrow. Is the path is what he said. I've watched some farmers who plow by hand or even with an ox in certain places. And see, they're very focused on that path. You cannot look backwards and be, inf- and be effective in making a straight path. We have, we have a path to look to that is up. And at the end of that path is the one who already paved the way to heaven by his loving sacrifice for our eternal existence with him. You know, our Lord, again, was the greatest example of all things. And the Gospels are the greatest exposures of the Lord. So as he's being made known, I've always questioned, how about being a part of him? So that you will not just know him better, that you will be with him in person when it's time to leave this earth. And again, the works of a missionary. Making Christ known and, and bringing people to him. There, there, was no, there is no glamour in being a missionary. I, I really implore anybody out there to, to pray for the missionaries and, and to support the missionaries out there, whatever they're doing. Because they're the, they are the ones really truly serving in, in God's kingdom throughout the world. It is amazing the stories I've heard of what people go through in, in remote countries and some of, the, some of the most amazing things that have ever happened. Miraculous stories that have ever happened were done in these remote places. And so we see and we know that the Lord is with them and the Lord's hand is upon them wherever they go. And that the work is is not done in vain by any means. And the Lord's outlook is 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 that of a glorious outlook. But again, not all are called to be missionaries. Not all are called to be preachers. Whatever we're called to do is our mission. But there's no mission if we haven't received Him first. If we haven't received Christ in our lives as Lord and Savior, then what we're doing is we're just doing works for the sake of our own well-being and for the sake of, of bringing attention to ourselves. It's not done for His glory. And so we must remember that in order to receive the kingdom, we must first receive him. Those were his words. And, and as always, the, the invitation to receive him is there, because, you know, we serve and love a God of invitation. He is always inviting us to be with him. Like I said before, unnecessary interruptions in the beginning of the sermon is what a lot of the Lord, or what the world outlook is when we're being bothered by something or someone. Never are we bothering the Lord when we pray throughout the day. 
Never does he get tired of hearing from us. Prayer is the absolute quickest plumb line to our Lord in the form of communication. So if you want to receive the Lord Jesus into your heart, it is a simple way to do so through that of prayer, and it must be done in truth. You must do it in the truth of your heart in order to receive him into your life, in order to receive eternal life. And that eternal life was given to us through the shedding of his blood on that cross. He said, whoever should believe in me will have everlasting life. So if you feel the Spirit speaking to you to receive him, well, I want to give you again the opportunity right now to say a prayer with me, which is a prayer of repentance and a prayer of receiving Jesus into your heart. And if you feel led... And then by all means, repeat this after me. Dear God, please forgive me. Forgive me of all of my sins. I confess to you that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me of my sins. I ask of you to receive me into your kingdom, Lord. Lord, as I receive you as my Lord, my Savior, and my Father... And Lord, give me a new heart, Lord. And may you change my life. And I thank you for having me, Lord. I thank you for receiving me as I receive you now. For Father, I love you. Father, I praise you. And I ask of these things, Lord, to you, for you to be with me now. And in me now, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, always the pleasure is mine to be of, of service in any way. And again, for prayer requests, by all means, go onto the website and send an email for prayer requests if you have any at all. Again, this is a ministry of Bible teaching and preaching. And this is also a ministry of prayer because you are loved wherever you are. And I want to invite you to continue to follow along as, as we go through the Bible, book by book and verse by verse. And I also want to invite you to check out some of the devotionals of the Pieces of Manna, which are three to five minute devotionals. So at this time, if you've received Christ, I want to, I want to just congratulate you for the greatest decision you ever made. And I want to welcome you into the kingdom. And I also want to exhort you to continue to follow him through the best and worst of times. So may God be with you, and may he keep you always. God bless you.